millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good evening and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the Big Match Preview. My name is Louis Mendes. Thanks everyone for tuning in. I hope you are all well. Joining me on this week's show to look ahead to the home game uh, with Sunderland on Saturday and of course discuss uh, Thomas Sangar's interview with BBC Radio London last night. First up, Mr Lewis Cat. How you doing, Luke? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. And uh, also on the agenda this evening uh, is Tom Wallin. How you doing, Tom? All good, mate. Yeah, yourself? Yeah, well, not, not too bad. Already for this show, I think it's going to be a good one, actually. I think it's going to be an interesting one. Plenty of people having their say on that interview uh, with Thomas Sangar. We're going to go through some of the finer points of it uh, in a few moments' time. We're, of course, also going to hear from you guys. Loads of people have uh, tweeted and emailed into the show. Uh, and as I said, we're going to look ahead to that Sunderland Games. We've got Matt Crichton from the Roker Report and Johnny Jackson uh, looking ahead to that game, giving us the team news and whatnot as we look to get back to winning ways. But, I mean, first of all, last night, Tom... Um, Thomas Sangard on BBC Radio London. It was uh, it, it was a funny old evening actually. It was it was due to be the uh, all about Charlton Hour on on Radio London, and unfortunately, sort of a uh, worldwide breaking events uh, at Chelsea got got the better of us. So we, we got shunted back for half an hour, but they still had to put out this interview because it really was a fascinating sort of twenty minute chat with with Thomas Sangard, where he's really open. Um, you know, said some things that certainly people didn't like. Uh, and, and some and there's some other interesting bits as well. I mean, before we delve into the finer points of it, what's your initial reaction to to what Thomas had to say uh, on BBC Radio London last night? It's a difficult one. I think my initial reaction is not hugely dissimilar to to other stuff he said. Uh, I wasn't quite as uh, amazed or stunned by some of the comments as some people were, and I that by that I don't mean I don't think that they are slightly out there um and everything he said is obviously caveated by the fact that we're lower mid table in league one and i understand why people are therefore uh disappointed to say the least or a bit confused by what he said i think the the reason that i wasn't perhaps a shock to some people is because this is fairly fairly typical of him we were just saying off air weren't we he is very open he does talk a lot um sort of hits home his points uh, and I think some of the uh, what he's trying to say has merit. I think the problem is, as I say, we're where we are in the league and it, it's maybe a case of has he really learnt his lesson or is it is it that stubbornness that we've seen a few times coming through? Um, I think the, the positivity around what he wants to achieve is obviously encouraging and that hasn't really changed. I think some of the naivety around what he said about running a football club, uh, about the common sense and about the uh, the fact that he doesn't really need any any support is concerning. Uh, you know, this isn't something I feel he can do himself and, and we should definitely explore that a little bit. 
Uh, and I also think the, the, the money side is both concerning and also encouraging. I think the fact that he is prepared to lose that money, uh, we've got an owner who is prepared to do that, uh, you know, is okay. I think the the desire to break even, uh, we've heard that before, obviously. And when you look at what it takes to run a football club and what it takes to get promoted, at the moment, you you can't really do that on a break-even model. You know, um, we've seen that the, the season under Roland that we went down, it was due to underinvestment. You go all the way back to to power when he first got got us promoted and and the fact we struggled in the championship again was down to underinvestment. So the money side maybe concerns me a little bit. It was yeah, it was slightly bizarre, but as I say that's kind of in keeping with with what Thomas has done in the last year or two. Mm. I mean let's dive straight into one of the, one of the bigger headlines. I think the one that, that that got the most attention yesterday Lewis. Now of course one one of the and uh, yeah one of one of the main concerns I think people have at the moment is is about the the levels of I don't know what would you call it football experience in 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 the upper levels. Obviously now we know that Steve Gallen uh, is involved, but obviously uh, we, as director of re- recruiting, we've got uh, Son Martin as director uh, of analysis, so Martin Sangard, and then obviously Thomas himself overseeing the operation whilst still based out in the US. So no CEO uh, in place. Obviously we've got Jacko in, in, involved on on the football management side, as, as we well know. But Nick um, Nick Godwin last night asked. Um, if uh, if Thomas was interested in bringing in any more sort of London-based help to to run the place, um, and uh, Thomas said, in, "I'm going to say something that's probably going to offend a lot of people involved in English football. But football in general is not that difficult. Common sense uh, goes a long way. I'm not too worried about ne- uh, necessarily needing people who are already entrenched in English football. Most of what I see in here is that there is a very limited amount of people who understand modern football uh, that are getting paid outrageous amounts in English football today. That's what I'm trying to avoid, getting sucked into the days or the good old days uh, of English football. I'd say my son knows, uh, Martin knows 10 times more about football than I do, uh, but even I believe I can figure that one out. I probably qualify at the same level as someone who is watching Sky Sports football uh, and has have the same kind of opinions. And then he's sort of talking about separating uh, you know, the, the sitting sitting at home and, and yelling at the TV, uh, and you know, applying sort of more common sense. How how long do we train? How 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 do we prepare for games, etc. Uh, etc. Et what was your initial reaction to that? Because I'd say that was probably the bit that that seemed to pick up the most traction last night, Lewis. Yeah, it um, it baffled me uh, slightly. I must say, um, I think that he needs to be very careful with the comments that he makes because. Already this season, we've seen it where at the start he came out and sort of delivered the whole we're going to blow the league apart speech um, at a time when maybe our expectations were much higher. So people kind of took it and ran with it. The issue now is that he's coming out and saying these things like, oh, it's common sense running a football club or, you know, it's easy. It doesn't take much and things like that. When really you look at where we are on the pitch at the moment, and that's not everything that goes into running a football club, but you look at the aspirations we had at the start of the season and where we are now. I mean, the season's over, albeit trying to keep ourselves away from the bottom four. Um, and it's a little bit, I don't know, to come out and say that sort of stuff now, I find it all a little bit strange. I, I think, if anything, he needs to kind of just keep himself to himself and now, work hard behind the scenes to make sure that we don't repeat the same mistakes we've made this season. Uh, and as we head into next year, you know, all of us know that it's about next season now and the preparation for next season needs to begin. Um, you know, we need to make sure that we recruit smarter and things like that to try and make a real push for it and then come out 
and you know put your aspirations on the table if you feel like they're they're achievable but at the moment to to come out and say that sort of stuff you know with a fan base that at the moment let's be honest we're all incredibly underwhelmed with how we've uh, how we've got on this year with what we've achieved we, you know we don't we're not with it. We're on a poor run of form as well, which doesn't help. You know, taking the rest of the season out of it, we're also in a very poor run of form now. It's uh, it for me. It's just, it's just sort of inappropriate to come out and say that stuff at the moment. Mm. Um, in terms of like the, the lack of a CEO and, and the fact, you know, he he is, you know, he said himself, he's stubborn. He likes to do do things the way he, he is, and you know, obviously parts of it he he said are, are not that difficult. I mean, I mean, there, there have been issues at the club this year. Um, even away from, I guess, the, f- the football management side of it, although that has been a, a big part of, of the disappointment uh, this year. But obviously, we can talk about the the ticket in situation and the you know the, the frustration I think surrounding that. You know, he's keen to feel the value, and that's something else that, that was mentioned yesterday. But obviously, the the a lot of fans feel that there was the summer quality created by some of those those free ticket giveaways, and then I mean, then then you look at some of the other things surrounding like the. The management of internal affairs, or even if it comes down to like, you know, what what you'd say is the the alleged situation under, under which Nathan the groundsman's left this week, and and the upset that's caused, and and the upset that that's that would have caused someone like Nathan, who is you know is a really good chap, and uh, someone I'd always say hello to when we see him. I mean, uh, do you think that the the management of the business side, Tom, is is there a need for a head honcho in? on the ground there to, to manage manage these departments a little bit better is that something is that something as outsiders for the club that, that we could feel could make a difference even even if that doesn't affect the football inside of it would it would it would things run smarter at the valley you'd have to think so uh i i know we're outsiders in terms of working there but we all have jobs we all know what it's like to have a uh, somebody at the very top of of where we work and I think if that person was absent, did live, you know, on the other side of the world, it, it, I think it would be different. And I don't think he has to have a say in every dis- single decision that gets made, either Thomas or a CEO. But I do think there should be somebody there kind of running things and, and somebody at the top of that tree who is there. Uh, if Sangard thinks he can do that from the other side of the world and he's available at the end of the phone or for any meeting where he is required, then if he thinks he can do that, fair enough. But for me, I think having a physical presence actually does make a big difference. And I know we've we've all kind of got used to this this era of, of not necessarily being in the office all the time. Um, or, and I don't know if that's been the same for the kind of admin staff around Charlton. But I think having somebody there, you know, I think that probably does make a difference. So, yeah, some of those little nuances, as you say, I, I don't know enough about some of the situations that we've read about this week and why people have left or whatever. But... You would think if there's somebody there in that position, they would be able to to be a little bit more hands-on. I know Thomas wants to be, and as you said there, and I said a bit earlier, I know he's stubborn. Um, but, you know, it, it's a difficult one. He has clearly been successful in the past with businesses. You know, that's the reason he's got the money he has in order to invest. How he's done that, I don't know. But but football, as we said, is different. You know, he is naive to this world, and, and it is a learning process. And I think it's one thing to strip back and try and cut costs and, and and I think that's sensible but not at the behest of of important roles like that and I think somebody who can come in and, and be a, a good CEO they don't need to, need to necessarily have a football background like he says but they need to be somebody who knows how to run a business and to be a bit more hands-on um, 
So, yeah, I wonder if that would make a difference. I also wonder if we were fifth or sixth in the league, whether we'd be having the same conversation because obviously we'd be like, well, things seem to be running okay. But the truth is we're not there now. uh, And so I understand why we're having the conversation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, something else that was pointed out, one of the other stories, um, Thomas uh, says he's expecting to lose £8 million uh, this season. Um, It it highlighted that he he feels like a, a prudent approach to... How he manages the finances of the club is important. Obviously, we've seen what happened with Derby, or what's still happening with Derby, what's happened uh, with Wigan. Uh, and, and then he, um, he sort of uh, put out some figures which are very much disputed uh, about how uh, before Roland, uh, the owners for a couple of decades, managed to rack up net operating losses of £100 million. Uh, and they said eventually have to sell to someone like Roland. Uh, he said that was similar to what we're seeing at Derby now. Uh, he says that's not that's not going to happen. And he said after that we saw someone uh, come in in the form of Roland uh, with a much better, maybe not business understanding, but he ran the club more financially healthily. Uh, he didn't lose much money. Again, that's very much disputed. Uh, but obviously uh, didn't get enough in the trenches to turn the right dials and adjust the right parts of the club. However, it was on the footballing side, there was definitely a number of mistakes uh, made there and certainly on the business side. Uh, he said there's now a culture of, yeah, nothing's going to work anyway. Uh, you call it internal, indirect pushback uh, to we need to make some changes here, guys. There's going to take a long time. Uh, we're only a year in, uh, but he really wants to turn around the business culture at the club. And then he says, talks about leaving that, that eight million, losing that eight million pounds, which he doesn't want to see continue. And I think he, he, he wants to sort of drum up a bit more enthusiasm in, in the club. He says more more eyeballs on, on the product, I guess, which I think he, he, he could see extending revenue streams, etc., etc. I mean, I mean that's always going to be difficult in League One, um, Lewis. Uh, I mean, which part of that would you like to talk about first? I mean, like I said, there's some disputed figures in there, um, but, but certainly, I mean, he doesn't want to lose the £8 million a year. You can understand that. He spoke about wanting to break even, which even with the best will in the world in League One, I, I just don't think is going to be possible. No, I, th- I think it's fairly unrealistic. Um, you know, it's if you've got the ambition to get out of the division, it, it takes investment. And obviously the position that we've been in for some years, he's come in and picked up a club that have needed financial investment. Um, and he's done that. So I, I can see really, you know, where the losses are coming from. Because let's be honest, as you say, it's League One. It's very difficult to, to get a huge amount of being in League One, especially a club of our size and and stature with the facilities we have to upkeep and the overheads we must have as a football club across, you know, Sparrows Lane and the Valley on a match day. You know, it's not it's not like a small stadium to to keep open and running for matches. It's, it's quite a big commitment. Um, obviously, he speaks about wanting to improve revenue streams with getting more eyes on the product, but that's only going to come from the product improving. You know, it's the same as anything. You, you, if you want to attract people to come and watch it and encourage people to buy season tickets or a new season tickets, you've got to give them something to cling on to. And at the moment, from the football inside, it's it's not good enough. So that's a that's a hard sell anyway, especially the back end of this season to get people to come along to games with not not a huge amount to play for. <clears throat> and then obviously next season it's it's massive on what they do uh for season ticket campaigns, etc., to keep people interested and keep people invested in the club. So that's one thing he's got to conquer. Um, and yeah, as I say, you kind of you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So he has to he has to hit the right balance with things. Ultimately, it's very very difficult to uh, to not make a loss at this level, and and even to break even, as you say, it'd be very difficult to do it at this level. 
Um, and even in the championship, because the money being thrown around in that division now is insane as well. So unfortunately, football's not the business to make money. So if if he's thinking that's something that's possible, unfortunately, and, until you get into sort of Premier League and, or anything like that with TV money, that that's really the only revenue you can drum up. And at this level, that stuff just doesn't exist. Mm. Uh, state your aim for next season now, top two, uh, Tom. I mean, I guess that that should always be our aim in... In League One, I know I saw I saw a few people suggesting that that's almost a throwback to the we're going to blow the division out of the water comments. I, I personally didn't see it quite that way. It's a, it's a, it's a name that that's been stated. Maybe didn't have to state it, perhaps, but it's not a promise this time. Um, and it's something that we should be firing towards. And and obviously it will therefore be important as, as as to how he sort of manages the club and and the recruitment you know he wants to, he, he talks about wanting not to um just throw money at it although he does say that we have the third highest budget uh, in league 1 this season is what is what thomas said uh, he said he wants to make sure that we spend money a bit a bit more smarter um in this division um so yeah what what, what did you make of that i mean a lot a lot of people certainly seem to think oh it's, it's a throwback to those those comments about blowing the division out of the water but i, I didn't quite see it like that yeah, he's obviously got to be careful. And if he's going to speak and he's going to do an interview, pretty much you're going to get sort of picked up on, on whatever you say. You know, if he says, well, we're just aiming for a top half finish next year, then everyone's going to kick off about that. So so if you're going to say anything, you're going to be shot down one way or the other. Um, I think you're right. I think it's it's encouraging around the, the kind of consistency. You know, he is still aiming for that. And as you say, we should expect that. He, he talked about Jacko being at the helm, which I know... People had started to query over the last few weeks. Um, and, and as I've sort of been consistent on the show, for me, it's the right call. I know there's other people who think otherwise. When it comes to recruitment, it's an interesting one because I can't remember if I said this on the show or not, but on paper, when we made those signings last summer, I think we were pretty pleased with the majority of them. And, and the ones we did get in, we signed on, on relatively long-term deals. So maybe we've got the start of a squad here. Now, I admit they've underperformed this year uh, and certainly at the moment. But I don't think it's a case of chuck them all out and start again. Personally, I think it is about, as he said, spending wisely, adding to that squad, having hopefully a spine of a team who've then been here for a year uh, and trying to build on that. Because I'm not going to say this squad as it is is enough to go up. I do think there's areas that need to improve. But I don't think he does need to throw it all away and chuck loads of money at it again. We need to spend smartly. We need to improve certain areas of the pitch. Um but I think that there probably is a squad there that can go for it. I also think there probably was a squad that can go for it this year and, and for whatever reason that hasn't happened. Uh, so I think it's the right sort of ambition to have. It's just, you know, we're fed up of hearing it now. We we want to see it and, and obviously we haven't this year. We've been way off the mark. Uh, we've seen glimpses of performances where I think we've shown what we're capable of, but overall we've ultimately disappointed, uh, to say the least. So... I think, yeah, you know, words can only take him so far for me. And I said it the other day after a game, it's about just getting this season done, all of the talking done. Get that business done early that you're talking about now. Get a decent pre-season under these players and let's see what we can do next year. And hopefully by sort of October next year, we'll be talking about a team that are up in those top two or three places. And at that point, then we can start to actually think about it on the pitch as opposed to just on the on the radio. Yeah, because I think... I think the most important thing for people this summer, Lewis, is that the lesson has been learnt. Um, and, and I think that the issue that came out of that interview was a lot of it sounded like maybe it wasn't in terms of the not, not bringing in experience or, 
you know, make, making sure that there's people around the place to run the club or, or to who understand exactly what we need to do. Again, you know, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating when, when we have this summer. But that, that for me, what came out of it was a lot of people fear that maybe, as I said, I think the, the, the top of the show, really, that, that line about not bringing in people who know the game. You know, Tom, Tom, Thomas obviously didn't seem to have much, much regard for people who, who've been involved in, in football for a long time. I, I, absolute speculation, but I wonder if that came down to the fact that he did hire someone in, in Jed Roddy who obviously been involved in English football for a long time and it decided it wasn't working. Maybe he, he feels like he's seen the light a little bit there. But again, it, just because it didn't work with Jed doesn't necessarily mean it won't work with, with someone else. But again, that, that's just sort of speculation on my side. But it is important that... Th- I mean, th- this will be the year now. He, he's had... His first year was when there was a wage cap and he was taken over from ESI and it was an absolute car crash. The second year, you know, th- th- this was the one that will have to go down as a learning experience for next year now, but it's whether he, it it has done, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like you say, the proof would be in the pudding when, when we get through the, the summer, it, how we approach the season, how we approach recruitment. I think recruitment is key because, as you say, this season you have to look at it and Although the squad on paper for me, you may look at it and think, actually, it should be capable of more, and it definitely should be. The issue is that there's still a lot of, of sort of deadwood in there. I think there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the summer um, in terms of changing things around, getting players out that maybe don't see a future here. Very much like a Chris Powell um, rebuild that we had back in you know 2011, 2012. It's, it's got to be to that scale now because... We were, we've had the sort of hangover of, of Roland, ESI, and the salary cap as well. But I mean, even under the salary cap, we got we got fairly close to the playoffs in the end, you know. And there's there's a little bit of work to be done on that side of things, in my opinion, to to try and cut some of the fat and, and streamline and get a squad in that's competitive, get a squad in that's got experience at this level. Because I feel like the recruitment, especially January for me as, as well, it just wasn't good enough. I, I, and... If we wanted to improve our position throughout this, you know, throughout this season, we we did not do the work required in January to do that. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of lessons to be learned, in my opinion. And, and to be honest, I'm a big, big supporter of having someone, you know, w- with a football sort of savvy, English football savvy, at a CEO level at the football club. And I can see why maybe Thomas is is skeptical about it because, as you say, it didn't work out with with Jed, and he said clearly yesterday that he thinks some people are in it being paid silly amounts of money and, and don't really bring a huge amount to the role. But there are also very good people out there that do that. You know, you've got to look at some of the structures at the moment, even at MK Dons, the setup they have there with their um, sort of recruitment side of things. That That's worked well for them this year and, and they're reaping the benefits of that. And they're a club with much smaller resource than us, according to Thomas, if we're the third highest spenders. So for me, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. You know, this isn't a club that needs to be in League One. It needs to be in the Championship at the very least. We've got the aspirations to do that. And Thomas came in with those sort of sky-high aspirations as well. So it's time for him really to sort of put those aspirations up front and um, and commit, put some money into it, but do it rightly and, and learn from the mistakes we've made this year. Because if we fail again next year, then there'll be some serious questions asked, not just of him, but also of Jacko. And I don't really think he deserves that. No, uh, finally, of course, uh, Thomas Sangard effectively uh, confirmed uh, that he's still backing Johnny Jackson um Obviously, questions asked uh, after the, the the disappointing run uh, we've been on uh, recently. But obviously, injuries have played a big part in that, uh, as well as uh, you know, there, there's still question marks over 
Uh, a lot of fans feeling Jackson might need to change formation or, or, or change personnel or whatever it is. But, you know, lo- loads of different um, factors have gone into that disappointing run uh, recently. But Thomas Sangard did say that he's going to stick with uh, Johnny Jackson. They're already planning uh, for next year. Uh, confirmed that his contract certainly still rolls over t- to next year as well. So, I mean, before we hear some of your messages, let's hear what Johnny Jackson uh, had to say on that. At least, obviously, it's been a real difficult uh, few weeks with the five defeats in a row. But uh, Terry asked Jacko today how pleased he was. Uh, to have the backing of the owner despite uh, the current run of form. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously I take defeat badly because it's, it's in my nature and I don't like losing. I don't like this run that we're on. It hurts, you know, despite all the, the circumstances surrounding it, it still hurts to lose football matches and I'll never be happy with that. But, yeah, I mean, the bigger picture obviously is uh, we have to finish the, the season strong. Uh, we have to get that positivity back amongst the fan base, give them something to shout about, uh, finish the season well. And then obviously it's a massive... Massive job in the summer, isn't it? You know, I like to think that, you know, I'm going to really, really be judged now on, um, you know, what we do in the summer, how we start next season and, and, and ultimately what we produce next season uh, with the aim having to be promotion and this season hasn't gone the way we wanted it. Um, managed to sort of steady the ship, if you like, since since I've come in, um, you know, obviously on a, on, a, on a bit of a down run now, but we want to, we want to turn that around, finish the season strong, and then, yeah, all eyes on on next season. Then, and uh, you know, to have the backing of the owner is obviously something because as a manager, you know, what you ask for is is backing uh, and time. They're, they're the two things that you want. So, um, getting that right in the summer, having a pre season that I haven't had uh, with the group will be will be key as well to what we want to do moving forward. Uh, get the recruitment right and. Uh, have a right go at it next season. So it's nice, nice to have that packet. But from what Thomas was saying, it's, uh, it's, some, it's a process that started now. So uh, you've got to juggle planning for next season as well as trying to finish this season strongly as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, every club will be doing that as well. But, um, you know, you don't start it, you know, start it in June and July. It starts now. You start looking at, uh, you know, where the holes are going to be in your squad, where how you want to fill them, who you want to fill them with. And you start working on that process, uh, yeah, now, from now until the end of the season. And we'll be working, obviously, hard on winning games, but also working hard on planning for the future and how we see uh, the best way to take the club forward. There we go. Johnny Jackson uh, is going to remain in place and uh, looking ahead to next year. Let's have a look at some of the messages that have come in then uh, about uh, the interview uh, last night. Um uh, first one comes in from Paul said, I thought it was good. It seems like he has learned uh, from this season. Sounds like he believes in Jacko and hopefully can give him the support just like how Slater supported Sir Chris Powell. I believe most of the squad is good enough, uh, but it just needs some more depth for when we have injuries. On to Sunderland. I hope Stockley is fit enough to start. Uh, we have failed to win a point with Lico up top. Uh, he is to blame for us conceding so many goals as he offer, offers no hold-up play, barely touches the ball, so the ball spends nearly all the time in our half. I rate him, though, as a right winger. That's from uh, Paul, yeah, and we'll be coming on to the Sunderland game uh, late, uh, later. Uh, Alan says, I can't believe that Thomas said running a club is easy. Uh, well, he said not difficult, which I guess is the same thing, isn't it? Uh, third, highest budget and currently 16th in League One uh, says otherwise. Rather than overpromise, saying we're going for top two, I wish he would say we're going to recruit as early as we can with players that will fit JJ's system. And hopefully uh, we will go up. Southern Comfort said, as I said last night, Thomas Sangard likes the sound of his own voice. And I'd like to hear Jacko's voice uh, more, especially regarding football matters. It was a strange interview. Uh, I get the impression he is the type who is only interested in his own viewpoint 
not listening to advice, and that's uh, scary. Um, so Darcy says, what's the actual first-team scouting setup these days? Because I'm beginning to fear it's Sangar Jr., uh, playing football manager. I mean, there, there's still this talk of the black box. I mean, I found I found some lines on the club website, although admittedly this was when Roddy was was still here. But he says that uh, some of the players at Charlton Scout come from a, a network of our own scouts, some from agents, uh, some from our analytics team. And then when it comes through, it all goes through the black box. So at that point, it doesn't necessarily indicate that the um, it all goes through Martin Sangar. But at the same time, he is the director of analysis. So if it goes through the analytics team, then you'd have to say it would also go through him. But obviously, Steve Gallen is there to, to do the negotiating, uh, as far as we understand, as the director of recruitment as well. So I, I don't know if that's any clearer, Sadasi, but, but hopefully it was. Aki says, does Sangard need to invest in someone who understands PR to avoid gaffes like Phil the Valley and saying uh, that running a football club uh, is easy? And Rebecca says, I think he's, he's made it clear he doesn't need experts. What makes you think he'd listen and act uh, on PR advice. I mean, obviously there is a, a PR team or at, at the club. There's a, a communications team as such that, that can give such information. Uh, but a, a, again, it, whether, whether he chooses to listen to that, who knows? Uh, James says, I keep saying uh, to fellow Charlton fans, judge owners on what they do and not what they say. This open arms welcome to every owner has been a mistake. Thomas Sangard seems like another chancer on an ego trip to me until he proves otherwise uh, we need to be careful. And then Paul Glapapa's... Uh, uh, so he's got a little thread of tweets saying, I find it ironic that Mr. Sangard says that running a, a football club takes common sense with the club, hoping not to get dragged into a relegation battle. I'm not sure it's working. I'd love to be proven wrong. He clearly uh, is skilled in the PR offensive, which pleases uh, some fans, such as playing his guitar. It's not for me, and I have been uh, I have not been fooled. I was easily fooled by the previous lot, so I had my reservations. Uh, those have not left me. I hope he can prove me wrong. And then he says, the more I think about it, the more I admire what he's saying and trying to do. Uh, football does have a problem uh, something does need to change but you can't just do it overnight also you do need football people uh not your son yeah what, what did you make of that a, a mixture of uh opinions there tom i mean there, there, i mean there's some people who, who liked what he said you know the likes of paul further down and and, the, and then some people a bit on the other side of it yeah he, he spits opinion just generally doesn't he thomas um and i think particularly i spoke after the uh the game at the weekend about the the fan base feeling a little bit fractured at the moment and it seems like it's a problem in wider society isn't it that you opinions are very much polarized there's very few people that sit in the middle these days you're either all for it or you think it's the worst thing in the world so I understand why he split the opinion as I say I wasn't as shocked as as some people were about it there were certain comments in there that I was uh I felt were a bit naive and a bit misguided but I also think there were some positives in there as well so like Glove Pup, I'm kind of a little bit torn either way, I think, as well. He makes a good point. You know, we had our, our fingers burnt, you know, several times in the past few years, but particularly around ESI 1 and 2 and the, and the promises that came in. So I understand people being a little bit wary. And and ultimately, you know, we're all here because we're, we're football fans. So ultimately, what happens on the pitch is going to cloud a lot of our judgment uh, about all of this. Maybe cloud isn't the right word, but going to sort of position how we feel about the club and at the moment we're on the back of what is it five straight defeats and so therefore there's an understanding as to why people are are not quite as happy um you know you go all the way back to Jacko first coming in and that run we went on it was a, a very different time so again that's why next year and I again I know that it's the case that we're saying next year again but that's why next year it is so important and and as you said a little bit earlier we've learned our lessons and 
and we don't make the same mistakes that we did this year. Uh, and if we do, I think the whole atmosphere will change. I think the, the fan base will unite like we did under Boya uh, a few years ago. Uh, and we've seen what can happen when when the fan base does. Crowds will then naturally go up and the, and the fill the valley might actually become a reality. But ultimately, all of this is predicated on, on good football and seeing winning football. And that's what needs to happen. Mm, right, Reg uh, sends in an email. So I had, uh, I've, I've had a phone call from the club. There's been a mix-up uh, with your half-season tickets. The seats you've got shouldn't have been sold to you. Uh, I didn't need telling that after the last few games. But anyway, uh, I need to choose different seats for the rest of the season. And as this is a mistake on the club's part, I can upgrade them. So I've asked for a season ticket for Bromley for the rest of the season. Uh, beyond both irony and parody. Say, lovey, that's Charlton style. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe that's the sort of management... Uh, on the ground that the club needs to not sell tickets that we've probably given away or something. Right, Tony. Uh, hi, chaps. Hope you're all well. It's been a bad season, but I don't think Thomas can win uh, with some people. Yes, he isn't ex- exempt from criticism. However, he is putting the money where his mouth is. He has let us know that Jacko is planning for next season. That's a great step forward. If players sign up, uh, then we won't be saying, oh, he was right. Uh, he clearly underestimated the league. We are all clearly scarred from previous owners. However, uh, we do need to give him a chance to put a decade of wrongdoings right. Hopefully we can get a result or two on the pitch and then begin to relax a little more. We need to keep together like we did to get rid of Roland and ESI. Let's face it, no fans have led the leadership and existence uh, of their club in English football more over the last 30 years than Charlton. Keep the show going. It's a highlight uh, in most times, but definitely when it's poor on the pitch. Come on, you rip-roaring Reds. That's from Tony uh, in Eltham sending a message of togetherness. Cheers for that, Tony. I always uh, like to see the Addicts fan base uh, together. Ken says, at the end of the day, uh, Thomas Angard is not going to say it's been a rubbish season. Uh, we've totally messed things up, but it is a learning game for him. Sure, he's made some mistakes, but just over a year ago, uh, we nearly didn't have a club. I don't think he is UK football savvy, uh, but if he's losing eight million a season, I'm sure he will be. I think we need a Pete. Uh, I think we need a Pete Varney who was Charlton through and through on the board with him, not his son, uh, and some geek from Yeovil uh, who had never heard, who we'd never heard of, and have lost every game since he's been around. Jacko can do it with Jason, uh, given a chance, uh, and a few new players. Some of the ones we have are slower than me on my sticks. However, remember it's Charlton. We don't do things simply, but we will be back. Uh, where we belong before my 50th season at the Valley, which is in 2024. So he has to get it right uh, next uh, season. That's from Ken. Cheers, Ken. And then finally, uh, before we start to turn our attention back to Sunderland, Tom says, I've read and heard a lot uh, of the interview. One thing I'll say is we need to be united and stick together. All of this divide in the fan base is ridiculous. I've never known a club like it. Get behind the team and support the club. We can't control what Thomas does or says. Uh, We just need to hope he has the club's interest at heart and has learned by his mistakes in the first year of owning a football club. As for the players, yes, they aren't pulling their weight and hope he has a clear out, but booing and getting on their backs ain't going to help on a losing run. That's from Cabby. Cheers, Tom. Right, excellent stuff. Let's have a break then when we come back. We shall start to look ahead to Saturday's home game with Sunderland. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There, heads it away. Can Lee pick it up? Yes, he can. Ahead of Kamara now sends Washington on that right hand side. He's in space. Washington into the area. He goes. Can he drill it home? Yes, he can. Oh, Connor Washington puts on, tune it up. And could that be the game? A lovely ball out. Connor Washington on the run. First over's in the middle, but Connor Washington drills it home. Charlton Live. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. We've just been discussing uh, Thomas Sangar's interview uh, with BBC Radio London last night. Um, and now we shall turn our attention to Saturday's home game uh, with Sunderland. Now, obviously, we've been on a bit of a poor run, but the same could be said uh, for the Black Cats as well. Obviously, since uh, Jacko's first game up there, which was obviously that 1-0 win, uh, in which Jaden Stockley headbutted someone, apparently. Um, the, they've had a change in manager. No more Lee Johnson. Alex Neal's come in uh, in his place. But they've also been on a really poor run up until uh, last weekend when they put a bit of a, a, a stop to that rot with a, a magnificent win uh, at Wigan. I think they've gone seven without a win uh, before that, losing uh, losing four or five of those games as well. So uh, pretty poor run. They've just, uh, just come out of it the other side, perhaps, uh, ahead of uh, the game on Saturday. Now, I spoke to Matt Crichton, uh, from the Roker report to ask him a little bit about the Sunderland season, uh, whether you know, with him sitting just outside the playoffs, whether it's going sort of above or below where expectation levels were at the start of the year. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would have to say below, obviously, because our aim's always going to be automatics, and now I'd say we're probably at a stage where you know we're now in a fight for the playoffs at the point where there's teams right behind us, and we went from a place where we were pretty confident about automatic promotion. And then now it's obviously slipped into a playoffs battle where we're on a terrible run of form. Um, obviously, we changed the manager. Alex Neils came in. Had a bit of a slow start. And then we've had, obviously, the unexpected win against Wigan. So I think every Sunderland fan now is sort of hoping this sort of doom of apathy where we're all a bit down about the club can actually now turn into Alex Neil bringing a really good run of form. And hopefully, we can get up through the playoffs. Mm, yeah, because that win over Wigan, obviously, the other day was the first win in, in seven and, and Alex Neal's first win in the league as well as uh, a Sunderland boss. I mean, uh, is it a bit of inconsistency that I guess it has been about? Because you go on a run like that, you don't expect to go to the team that are sitting in second, you know, comfortable looking for automatic promotion and, and wipe the floor with them. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of factors. I think that the club's partly to blame, obviously, because we, we were winning games at the start of the year, but we, we had this sort of vulnerability, vulnerability, sorry, where we, we were really soft from corners. We were kind of always leaking late goals to concede draws. And then obviously we were prone to hammerings. You know, obviously the Bolton 6-0 was what lost Lee Johnson's job. And I think 
as we slipped away, you know, the fans have been negative about the ownership issues. And obviously the slow process to get Neil, obviously it took two weeks and we lost games in between that. So now it's sort of a job of sort of recovering that, getting the fans back on side, sort of building the mood. And I think building a belief for the players and the fans that we actually still can achieve promotion. That's Alex Neil's biggest task. And, well, I mean, has he convinced you yet? No, I mean, to, to be honest, I think he has got a bit of a battle because we've sort of got a... The squad lacks balance. We we went away in the summer. We released a lot of you know our experienced players. You know you like seeing Max Powers, uh, Charlie Wyclef, Josh Scone, and players like that. And then we sort of brought in a, a real batch of new, young, and exciting players. But what we found is when we've had the more experienced players either injured or lacking in performance, we've sort of ended up with this team which is largely sort of a quite light and vulnerable under-23s team. And when we go up against the more physical sides or the going gets tough, like, you know, your game management and things like that, we're just so vulnerable to conceding large amounts of goals and being unable to keep leads. So it's a difficult one. I think it's one of those time will tell. Our results have been awful lately. But if we do, say, win the next three games, you know, everyone's going to say we're the form team going into the playoffs. So that's got to be the aim. Mm. Now, now talk to me about the ownership situation of the club because from the outside I'm absolutely baffled as to what actually happened now it seemed you had a, a, a takeover with that, that young American chap um, and then all of a sudden a couple of weeks ago it seems well, maybe, maybe you didn't it wasn't all quiet as it seemed yeah so essentially with that obviously Cairo Louis-Dreyfus he's the son of a very wealthy man who used to own Marseille uh, obviously, quite a youthful man, very interested in football. But what's caused a stir is that when the takeover was announced, it was sort of portrayed as that he was going to have a really high amount of shares and it was really going to be a new era. But what we found recently is that he actually doesn't own as many shares as we first thought. And also the Madrox group, obviously Charlie Memkin, for example, still attending a lot of games, which instantly causes negativity online given you know a lot of the asset stripping that went on for the time we've been in league one and also some comments that have been made elsewhere so it's one of those i think Sunderland fans won't see it as a full new beginning or a full new takeover until the madrox group are completely have nothing to do with Sunderland. Mm, and i mean it, it's caused unrest hasn't it i mean has it caused some resentment from fans towards the owner or part owner now then well, the, the key question is, there's, there's an ongoing debate as to whether he, he's like an independent entity or whether they're working together sort of thing. It, it does seem like he has most of the control, if not all, in terms of decision-making. You know, we can see a lot of changes from this season to last, which clearly indicate that. But, you know, whilst they're around, you know, they're still involved in that process. And it's sort of, I think... It's one of those, I think a lot of Sunderland fans will still be apathetic and still be uneasy about the club until it is really a new clean slate. I don't think anyone will really set apart from the past until that is done. Mm, certainly. I mean, welcome to the club in terms of confusion ownerships. We've all been there over the <laughs> over the years, I guess. Um, I mean, back, back to the game then. Obviously, you are coming off the back of that win at, at Wigan. Uh, you'll be coming into a face, obviously, a Charlton side who were on the back of five defeats. I mean, I imagine you'll be feeling fairly confident despite obviously your your bizarre record against us we 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 you're one of the teams that we seem to have like a a bit a bit of luck against which uh, we, we don't have against many 
Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, you know, if I'd looked at a lot of League One teams and seen they just lost five on the bounce, I would have been very confident. But with Charlton, I don't think we've beat yourselves in five games. It's obviously, we've got that thing with views where you've beat us in the last two playoff finals. And Charlton is always a good name in League One. And when I've actually looked at your losses, they've been against some, like most of them are against the best teams in the division. So... Obviously, I haven't seen the games, but I know from watching Charlton earlier this season in the past and knowing you're 11, that it's not a bad side. And I think Sunderland's away record this season has been dreadful. We've really struggled keeping clean sheets away from home. So whilst I should be very optimistic, I'm sort of still... I mean, I've, I've seen it two ways. I kind of... We should win, but there's just a thing about playing Charlton. I just don't think it's going to go all our way. Mm. And just finally then, obviously... Um... Ross Stewart is, is is out out in front in terms of getting goals, but I mean, who who else is up there in terms of the the players that the Charlton fans will be need to be wary of on Saturday? Me and man, probably going forward, definitely Alex Pritchard. I think he had a bit of a slow start as he was finding fitness, but now we'll find you find watching us that everything comes through him. He's so sharp on the ball, you know, set pieces, either corners or free kicks. Excellent delivery. And usually, if teams keep us quiet, you keep Sunderland quiet. So that'll be the key thing for Charlton on Saturday. There we go. Thanks to Matt uh, from our friends at the Roka Report. Um, we do have a, a good relationship with the boys and girls up there. Uh, and they always give us a view on Sunderland. What, what do you make of Sunderland this year, Lewis? Um, I can never put my finger on them. You know, I, I, when we went up there, I mean, they, they were top, I think, when we went up there. They were unbeaten. At home, obviously, we put an end to that. There was a bit of to and fro in the evening, uh, arguing about the Jaden Stockley uh, headbutt. And I did make a joke, possibly to the Roker Report, actually, about um, when Tom Flanagan's nose started bleeding. It's because they were too near the top of the table, sort of half heartedly making that joke, thinking they probably will go up this year. But they've fallen away again. It happens every year to them. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It seems to be like clockwork. They start really strongly, look like a real threat, and you think this is going to be the season they get themselves back in the championship. And for whatever reason, they seem to hit the skids again in January time and the wheels come off. And yeah, I mean, at the moment, you know, a great win last weekend for them against Wigan. Um, I think it's got themselves back in the mix in the top six. But yeah, as you say, when we went up there and played them in that, you know, the game at the stadium, I like, we were, we were coming out of a poor run of form. We'd lost Nigel and... Johnny had just taken over and you and they were top and we were kind of going up there expecting a pasting and I don't even think that we were lucky that day when we went up there I thought that we we out you know outplayed them and outperformed them the entire 90 minutes and yeah I think after they played us they went on a really bad run and then they seemed to get a few more results um around Christmas time but then they they fell away again and obviously Lee Johnson's now gone and Alex Neal's come in and he didn't really have an immediate impact either so it's a strange one. I mean, I won't be surprised if they're in the top six um, or come the end of the season if they're in the playoffs. But the problem with them is their, their bottle seems to always go um, when they're in the position of, of in the playoffs. And um, yeah, it's a strange one because obviously you look at the size of them, the stature of the club, they're, they're huge. You know, they're fan base. They always have a really big following home and away. They're a massive football club and they've been down here a long time. Um, so... Yeah, I can't put my finger on why they always seem to struggle so much, especially at the back end of the season. But, you know, they've obviously made the change in manager. They had a great result on Saturday and they'll be looking to build on that when they come to the Valley on Saturday. Yeah, are you concerned, Tom, that they just seem to have put a stop to that rot with that, that win at Wigan? Obviously, Wigan sitting in the, in the top two. Um, and, and Sunderland, having, having gone, was it six or seven, without winning before then, they, they would have been dreading coming to the Valley purely because of our bizarre record against them where we're, we're like their Millwall. But... Um, 
yeah, I, I know we're not on a great run of form, and, and they've just got that result that will be a massive confidence boost for them before coming into the into the game. Yeah, I'm not worried at all because, as you say, we we're their kryptonite, aren't we? So we'll be absolutely fine. Um, I think the slightly frustrating thing, and I, I don't know if we're going to come on to hear from from Jacko ahead of the game, is the injuries perhaps have just not quite cleared up quickly enough. Uh, I think if we were guaranteed to have have Washington and Stockley up up front, I, I'd be a little bit more confident. But the run that we've been on obviously is a problem, um, and strikers has been a large part of that. So I think that's that's my concern. We do have this this sort of bizarre record and, and bizarre habit of sort of tripping them up, uh, and that obviously goes in our favour. As you say, they've just come off the back of a, a thumping against Wigan, so they're going to be. Yeah, hopefully they, from their perspective, they've hopefully turned a corner and their confidence is going to be up. But f- from our side, really, our, our home form in what's been such an up and down season, our home form had been pretty good up until the last sort of sort of six weeks or so. So uh, it's, I'd like to think it's the opportunity to turn that around. But I just think with the injuries, maybe not clearing up quite quickly enough, I think that's going to be tight. But... You know, we'll go out there. You know, we've said this under Jacko every time. I don't think really we've gone out there and, you know, not tried at least and given a hundred percent, which is the least you'd expect. But you know, a Jacko team is certainly going to go out there and and give it their best. Uh, and if hopefully, you know, if Stockley at least is fit or can get some minutes, um, then maybe we do have half a chance. So. Yeah, it's always an exciting game, isn't it? They're two big teams at this level, uh, so it's it's a good one to go. Hopefully, there'll be a f- fair few through the door, but I mean, a win would do huge amounts for us, wouldn't it? Just to sort of give us a little bit more reassurance uh, away from that relegation zone. And as Jacko says, we need to end the season strongly because it will it'll start to breed some confidence amongst the boys as well. Mm, well, Tom mentioned uh, in that little excerpt there a need for players to start coming back. Uh, to fitness, and uh, Jacko was asked about the uh, state of the squad ahead of the game uh, with Sunderland. He talks about the, the match itself as well, but first up, starts with the uh, the fitness, uh, starting off with Adam Matthews, who of course came off uh, last weekend uh, with concussion. Adam Matthews, yeah, he had to follow the um, concussion protocols, which he's done. Um, he's come through all of those. He had a sort of integrated training session today and trained fully with the group tomorrow, so uh, all being well with that, he, he is available. Um, Jaden came through to 45 with no issues. Really pleased with that. Obviously, it was a bit longer than we actually intended with him, but state of the game, nature of the, the scoreline and stuff meant that we had to introduce him at half-time, but he's come through fine. He's had a good week's training as well, so uh, obviously available to us, whether we whether we start him, whether we use him from the bench, that's, that's something that we need to look at. Same with Scotty Fraser. Um, was still feeling the effects up. Like even when he came on the pitch, he, uh, you know, he found it found it tough first sort of ten minutes to to catch his breath and things like that. So the COVID has had, had an effect on him. But again, he's had a good week's training. Every day he's got stronger. Um, so yeah, again available. It's just it's just whether you, you know, what we decide to do with Scotty or we start him. Um, or whether we hold him back and just build his minutes up from the bench, that's that's something that I've got to look at. You said a couple of others, but uh, <laughs> well, Connor and Chuck's obviously the, the other two strikers that, that we're missing. How, how close are they? Connor's the closer of the two. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, have him back before before too long. Really, uh, 
really hope to have him back soon. He's progressing, and, and you know he's he's nearly there. Chucks Chucks is longer. Chucks will be longer. He won't see Chucks for for a while yet. And last one was was Jake. We I mean he mentioned um, on Charlton TV that he was back out in the grass, but um, hearing that um, he's taking part in some training, so that's good news. How close is he to getting um, even some uh, under twenty three minutes or something? Yeah, Jake's been training a week, all week with the uh, with the squad, uh, fully involved in the session. So no sort of no holding him back, no reintegration. Uh, we're, we've gone past that now. He's he's back amongst it. Uh, we'll probably look for him to have another four weeks training next week, and then the following week um, try and get him some some minutes with the twenty threes and build him up from there. He looks great though. He's you know he's uh, he he looks fit. He's come back strong. Uh, we just obviously need to build him, build him up slowly with his minutes at the 23s because you know he's been out a really long time. So uh, mindful of that, but it's great to have him back with the group. Could we got Sunderland up next? Uh, who themselves have had a bit of a tough run of results. Um, I think they won their first win in seven on, on Saturday. So we always have tough, tough battles against them, and, and aside from the obvious ones, of course, we've uh, we've tended to come out on top recently. Obviously, you want the the same sort of re- response from the, from the players, especially the ones you got when. Um, when you were up at the stadium a lot, uh, because you'll need those battling qualities that we showed up there. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, that's something that we spoke about a lot this week. Um, you know, definitely a performance that we that we look back on and, and think that we've done some really good things there. Obviously, a lot's changed since then. Um, you know, we're missing some bodies. They've had a change of manager. Um, new manager's gone in there. Not, not like great deal of... Uh, change as in you know their style and uh, the personnel obviously a lot of the same same boys so um, yeah it's a great another great challenge for us it's sort of a bit of symmetry about it because it was my first game in charge and obviously we've uh, been on a bit of a bad run so we you know we're looking at that one saying well you know this is what we have done last time uh, in my first game and, and this is what he was capable of doing against against this team so can we the challenges can we go and do it again that's Jacko looking ahead to Sunderland. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like Matthews will be, will be all right to continue. Washington getting closer, but unlikely uh, to be involved this weekend. Uh, whether Stockley's fit enough to start will be an interesting one, Lewis. Uh, you know, he got 45 under his belt. Would have had another week in training since then. Um, I mean, if we can get him onto that pitch from the, from the off, I mean, that, that completely changes the dynamic of that game for me because all of a sudden we have a presence at, the, at that end of the pitch, which we've, we've lacked for a long, long time now. I'd say since Chucks went up, since, since Chucks got injured again. Yeah, 100%. You know, we've, we've left ourselves incredibly short of striking options with these injuries because although, you know, obviously Chucks and Jaden, both very physical players, very powerful players that we rely on quite heavily, uh, and even Connor, really, although maybe not the same stature as those two, still very much, um, you know, a physical player that gets him the channels and he's strong. We've missed them. We've missed all three, really. And, you know, Jaden coming on on Saturday, although the damage was really done at half time, there were a few more glimpses when he's on the pitch that people, you know, there's another outlet, isn't it? You know, he's, he's such a tall aerial presence that he brings something and it'll bring a lot of confidence back to us when you see your star striker come back into the side. You know, it's just... It's hopefully he's going to be fit enough to to play from the off because I think it gives everybody a lift. Obviously, Sunderland will be petrified that he's going to headbutt them all again as well, which is a which is another thing. But yeah, you know we need options. It's pretty obvious when you look at the way we've performed over the last few weeks. We our attacking 
um, outlets have, have not been good enough. I felt quite sorry for Mason Burst though because I think when he's when he's either come on or he started, he's he's run his socks off. But he's only a young kid, you know, and to put all that weight on him for a side that's that's definitely underperforming and the fans are very much, you know, fairly disgruntled with the way that we're playing at the moment and the results we're getting. That's a lot of pressure for a young kid to take to be the only attacking outlet. So, yeah, fingers crossed Jaden's fit from the off on Saturday because I think it gives us a completely different um, approach to the game. Yeah, I mean, in in terms of the improvements that clearly need to be made over the last few weeks, you know, and... and I'd be shocked if there is a change in shape. That that doesn't seem to be something that's on the table at the moment, Tom. But I mean, th- these mistakes that we've been repeating over and over, you know, this has been a, another clear week on the training ground. I mean, these are the things that Jacko has surely been ironing and ironing into them. You know, your positioning right back, uh, uh, sorry, the right wing back and the defenders on, on that side and, and obviously on, on the left side as well because we got ripped open by Oxford on the left side. I mean, th- th- those are surely something that, that Jacko has really been working hard on this week. You'd hope so, yeah, but then he said he's been working on it in previous weeks and it doesn't seem to have made any difference. So, yeah, hopefully, again, they've learned their lesson on that. It, it, you know, it's not not rocket science. They need to tighten up. They need to le- stop leaving those gaps between the the uh, the wing back and the the full back on that. Uh, sorry, centre back on that particular side. Uh, we need to track our runners higher up the pitch as well. Uh, and if we're going to press, we need to press as a team. There's been too much recently of of pressing individually, which again has just then exposed the midfield and exposed those defenders even more. So it's a it's a thing that starts at the top and goes all the way down uh, and everybody needs to be on their game. That That's the thing that we definitely need to be sure about if we are going to get anything from this game. They have to be at, at their, yeah, switched on uh, for the whole game. And, you know, starting slowly has been our problem recently. Well, you could argue more than just that, but... Certainly conceding early on in recent weeks has been a real problem because it really knocks the stuffing out of us and we can't seem to get back in games either. So I would like to think that what we're going to do is keep it tight for those first 15, 20 minutes at the very least. Um, as I say, press in numbers, keep it tight at the back and then slowly start to expand, start to utilise the the players up the other end of the pitch. If Scott Fraser's out there or you know, can Gilby find a bit of form again? Um, maybe one of the wingers if... if you know, can we move Leko back out wide, for example, uh, and try and and try and get something? Because as I say, we've seen it at home plenty of times this season. We we can put on a good performance and we can beat these teams. Obviously, showed that at the Stadium Alight against Sunderland themselves. So we can do it. It's just about will we do it? And and as you say, hopefully a week on the training ground means they've kind of nailed down some of those issues that have just been so apparent in recent weeks. Yeah, and I was going to say like. If Fraser's fit enough to start, it's a bit of a question mark. I think, judging by what Jacko was saying about, you know, if it took him a while to catch his breath after after last week, obviously coming back from COVID. I mean, there is a a choice to be made between Elliot Lee and Alex Gilby. I'd say in that midfield because I don't know which which way would you go based on recent performances, Lewis. It's very difficult because I mean, for me, what I'd prefer is a change in the shape, but I think we know we're not going to get that. Um, if I'm being honest, I think if we're if Jaden's not fit enough to start, um, then I think I'd, I'd go with with Elliot Lee because he's a little bit more attacking and has spent time as a striker. Albeit his performances haven't been great of late, he has got more of the striker's um, sort of instinct. Um, but if Jaden is fit, then I'd go for Gilby. I mean, I know he's had again some disappointing performances of late, but he's also you know a very good player on his day. So. Yeah, it's a difficult one to call. I think it rests massively on what our options are up top. 
Um, fingers crossed that Jaden's fit, and if that's the case, then if I had to pick between Lee and Gilby, then I'd, I'd go for Gilbs. Mm. Can I take anything from the fact that we've beaten him once already this season, Tom? It was a long time ago, wasn't it? Um, I'd like to think so. You'd think that they can try and channel that, and you know, you'd hope he'd be saying that in the dressing room. Look, we've done them already, so you've proven you can do it. Because I think another of the big things that we haven't mentioned a huge amount is just the confidence at the moment. You're off the back of five defeats, you know. You can see that confidence isn't there, and that's part of the reason why people are switching off. It's why people aren't pressing in groups. So, yeah, if that can just trigger something in their minds and kind of remind them that they're actually pretty good footballers, then, yeah, maybe that can that can do it. And as I say, we've always got the fact that we seem to do quite well against them. So that at the back of their minds as well. So, uh yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. As I say, it's usually quite a fun one to go to because it is two big teams, and obviously we've drawn each other a little bit a fair few times. Be interesting to see that video play before the game because obviously it will show us uh, scoring that winner at Wembley as well. Uh, well. What that does to the crowd, I don't know. They usually bring a few down. So, yeah, weirdly, I'm actually looking looking forward to Saturday despite the the recent run of form. Lovely stuff. Right, we've uh, come to the end of this week's Big Match Preview. Thanks to those of you uh, who've tuned in and sent your messages in. Don't forget, we'll be back on Sunday to look back at the game uh, against Sunderland. So again, make sure you get your your tweets and your emails in nice and early uh, for that one. Email studio at charltonlive.co.uk or you can tweet us uh, at charltonlive if you want to have your say on the game. Right, thanks to Tom and Lewis for joining me this week. Cheers, Cheers mate. mate. See you Saturday. Yeah, I'm Louis Mendes. Thanks for listening and we shall see you again on Sunday. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.